All Age Media is proud to present The Week Before, a show that encourages discussion, knowledge and a bit of banter in between. Now presenting Jamie Dyer with this week's special guest. My guest today is Father Jim. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jamie. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm very well, yes. A little bit under the weather. Yeah, you, you've probably got the same bug that everybody else up here has got, I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, where, whereabouts are you? I, Bill, I am the parish priest of St. Anne's Church, which is about three miles outside of Manchester. Anyone who knows Manchester, um, I'm just past Manchester City's football ground. Oh, yes. Have you ever been? No. <laughs> football fan, I'm afraid. Oh, well, that's, that's fair enough. You know, there's lots of things on the doorstep sometimes that, uh, that, that you don't always see. No, well, yeah, this is true. I, I, I've been here like about nine and a half years now. And once I was really tempted to go and then it was cold and I thought I wimped out. <laughs> oh, well, there, there you are. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the first round is the discussion round. And, uh, well, today, obviously, as it comes up to the run-up to Christmas, I can imagine you're very, uh, very busy around that time. Yeah, um, Christmas is a very strange time, especially in the Catholic Church, really, because the run-up to Christmas we call Advent, and that is the four weeks that runs up to Advent. Of course. Uh, where most people are talking about Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. We try and kind of stay off that. Traditionally, the, the, you know, the 12 days of Christmas actually starts Christmas Eve. So we kind of try and slot still in the Catholic Church into that area of, you know, we, we celebrate the Advent period and then we move into Christmas. Of, of course. And uh, do you have any particular um, traditions, perhaps, that other, other parts of the faith don't have to, uh, in relation to Christmas? Um, it depends what you mean, really. I'm, I'm not quite sure what some of the Anglicans or the other you know, Christians do, but certainly in the Catholic Church, what we do, um, for the first two weeks of Advent, we, we look forward to the second coming of Christ, which is kind of what Jesus left us with. He said he would come again. So that's, you know, and the whole purpose of that is to kind of look at ourselves and ask ourselves, you know, if Jesus was to come tomorrow or today, you know, would I be ready? And, and how would he judge me, that kind of thing. And then the second two weeks of Advent, we look back to the first nativity, that first time when the time when Jesus came, which, you know, we, re we recognize that it was a long waiting period. The, the Jews had been waiting a very, very long time for the Messiah. And so it's a kind of a reflection on, on the promise that God made good by sending Jesus. And then we have the great celebration of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it, it all sounds... Um, very, very interesting. I mean, do, do you have um, a run-up of events in the church on the run-up to Christmas? Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, mainly, um, th there's a lot that goes on in our Catholic schooling system. The children at the moment are practicing for the Christmas nativities, which will be in the last couple of days of, the, um, of their term, just before they go away on their break. Of course. And they also have a series of um, kind of Advent-themed assemblies, which they do. And they, they, you know, they welcome parishioners in and they welcome um, people who live in and around the area of the school. They love to go in. It's brilliant to see so many people going in. And then, of course, we, we, I have, you know, there, there are good times around the Advent and Christmas time. But 
I've only just heard yesterday that I've got a baby has died. So that's a very sad period. And that, that's part of the remit of my job. You know, one day it's incredibly sad. And then the next day you go in and watch the children and it, it's really lifts your soul. It's, it's an amazing time, you know. So um, it is very interesting time for me, for sure. Yeah, that's one thing I've always um, admired about people in your profession is your ability to handle, you know, obviously high events as well as, as the more kind of somber you know you have to deal with a variety of situations yeah and it, it's one of those things that um we spend a long time in college we kind of do six years preparation um but it's one of the things that that can never prepare you for you know it's kind of really your own spirituality and you you as a person i think that that learns to deal with you know a funeral one day and a wedding the next day. I've actually had a funeral and a wedding on the same day, which is a bit tricky, but um, it has happened in the past. And it's one of those things that you kind of learn to deal with. It's not easy, honestly. Well, no, because uh, obviously you can't prepare because obviously those things, obviously a wedding is planned, but uh, but the other side isn't. I mean, at, at Christmas time, obviously, it is that time, I think. Do you find um, in your particular congregation do you find that more people come over christmas time maybe than other times of the year absolutely i think it's the same in every church um it's not over christmas time it's just christmas eve christmas day yeah the, the church will be heaving my church actually seats about 230 people uh for christmas eve i'll have nearly 600 in it wow the, the studs 10 deep at the back. Um, I have to put about 100 chairs behind me on the sanctuary. It's heaving. <laughs> People are everywhere. But it's, it's great to see them, you know. Yeah, and obviously those services, you know, you have hymns and readings and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, the, the Christmas Eve service here is very popular because um, we have quarter past six in the evening, which is always dark here, obviously, at that time. Um, I started, when I came here, a... Christmas carol service by candlelight and that lasts 45 minutes and then that runs straight into our main mass for the evening which is at seven o'clock yes and as as you said it gets very busy oh yes it does in fact one of the one of the only problems that i have is um people kind of bickering over parking spaces really <laughs> i would imagine the area you that you're in you know there must be ample parking space I have I have two car parks of my own, but they, they I can only put about maybe seventy cars on between those two cars. They're quite small, and then we do we are able to park, thank goodness, on the street out in front, which is one of the main thoroughfares into Manchester. But there are no uh, parking restrictions. But people do park kind of a mile up the street. Really, yes. The neighbours never like it, but it never lasts that long, thank goodness. I suppose the uh, on Christmas, I suppose people don't always worry about parking either um, because they're all going to the same place. Um, yeah, we have. It's like, you know, there's one or two of my neighbours who have like drives into their houses. Yeah. And, you know, people who get really touchy about parking, they will park over their drives. You know, so if, if anybody wants to go out to see family on Christmas Eve, they get stuck and then... I can get in trouble for that. But I mean, I do ask people, you know, before we begin, if you are parked over anybody's drive, you know, please go and move your car. <laughs> it's a great way to start the celebration. Well, yeah, I, c I can imagine that. I've always wondered, actually, I know you get very busy over Christmas time. What about New Year? 
Um, do, do you have a lot of services over New Year as well, or just New Year's Eve? No, funnily enough, New Year is absolutely very, very quiet. Um, there's, there's no service here as such on as, as a New Year's Eve mass. We just have a normal mass in the morning at, at quarter past nine, like we would do every day of the year. And then again, the same on New Year's Day itself. I used to do mass on New Year's Day at midday, knowing people have been out partying the night before and thinking that would give people time to come round and get to mass. But I've actually found that the same people who come to the midday mass will happily come to the quarter past nine in the morning mass as well. So I've just moved it. It's, it's, I've found as a priest that it is just routine. People like routine in the church. And if you start moving masses around, yeah. they get confused and, um, you know, they, they start end up missing services. So... I do try and keep as many of my masses at the same time as I can. Of course. I mean, as, as you say, it's very much a routine thing. Um, when you're, I mean, obviously, when you're planning these things, do you have like a committee, like a board that you talk to, to, you know, to, to rectify any changes? Not as such, not within the Catholic Church. Um, the, the Anglican Church has that, that kind of makeup. But here, I'm, I'm the boss, but don't tell anyone that. So really, it's, it's down to me, really. I mean, I do have, obviously, I have musicians that I deal with, and I have readers and Eucharistic ministers and people that help with the car parks. But they all know that, I, that I'm a man of routine. Um, you know, so they'll know that the, 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 the carol service starts at quarter past six, mass starts at seven. And um, I do have a meeting um, with them just to say, is, anything, is everything okay? Have we got enough volunteers? And um, everything's usually great. Yes, and um, you hit upon the, the voluntary uh, kind of thing. That you get a lot of volunteers all year round? Absolutely, thank goodness. <laughs> um, really, I, I couldn't work this place without it. And I have volunteers that range from people who man the car parks, that clean the church, um, that clean the hall... And then I have people who are sacristans. They kind of set up for the services. I have people who welcome the parishioners at the door, people who hand out hymn books. I've got uh, people who do my accounts for me. So there's a whole kind of plethora, and they all do it for nothing, all voluntary. Well, that's, that's wonderful. That's mm -hmm. that's uh, that's really nice to hear, right? So let's. Uh, I, th I think we've uh, we you know obviously as with any subject, it's a huge scope, and uh, we'll move on to round two um, here, which of course is the tell me about round. And uh, yes, indeed, I'll give you fifteen seconds to talk about a specific subject. If once those fifteen seconds have ended, uh, then you know, and I think that you can talk about it in more detail, then I'll give you another fifteen seconds. Have I made that? clear? Clear. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, Look, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Right. So uh, this is completely improvised. Obviously, I haven't told you beforehand what these are, uh, which usually makes it more interesting. So I'll give you 15 seconds in the first thing to talk about your church nativity, uh, if that's OK. And um, yeah, I'll uh, give you 15 seconds starting from now. OK. Well, first of all, we have the classic um, show of nativity statues, which everybody loves to come and have a look at. But the main nativity, of course, will be from our school children. And they are coming across. Our school is separate from the church by about 500 yards. So they come from school to do it here. So we, we push the altar back and we do the nativity on our sanctuary, which is a little bit unusual. It was certainly never done here before I came. And it's done on a number of days because we have, obviously, 
the younger kids and the older children. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that that's interesting, and obviously trying new things as well. Do you find it? Do you find it? Uh, is it popular? You know, do you get lots of people coming to see it? Oh, oh yes, it's very popular. Um, what it's one of the very few times actually that our parents from the school will come, you know, to kind of cross that barrier from the school into the church. They'll come at other times, like for their children's first Holy Communion um, or confirmation or whatever else is going on with the sacramental program. Of course. That children follow. But certainly the nativity is one that will bring them in, in busloads, really. Of course, yeah. Well, let's move on to the next subject here. And I'm going to ask you about hymns, actually. I'd like to know about the hymns uh, that you'd use maybe in your in your one of your your Christmas services, if possible. We will start that from now. Well, every mass throughout the year actually is themed, and all the hymns that we pick usually are based around the readings that we use in church. And there's always a theme to the readings. Now, Christmas is obviously kind of speaks for itself, mm. so you know. Things like when when is he coming? When is he coming? Lord Redeemer, that that's one. Mm. And then we would move on to things which are very much more uh, well known. You know, hark the herald angels sing. Uh, the the beautiful ones that everybody likes, like Silent Night, Holy Night, um, and we do all the Christmas carols. It's so between the service on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we would sing. We'd pro and and of course the. Um, um, the carol service, we would get through maybe 25, maybe 30 um, specific hymns for Christmas. You would probably call them Christmas carols, but of course mm. we would call them hymns. Of, of course, yeah. I mean, what's, what's the difference between a carol and a hymn, if you don't mind me asking? Um, well, some people who sing Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, that's yes. a Christmas carol. Of course. But it, it has nothing to do with Jesus or religion or God or any, any mention of that. Yes. So that's that's basically the difference. Well, there we go. That's very straightforward. Yes. Uh, let's move on to the third round here. Thank you very much for talking about those there. And let's move on to the third round, which is the what's on your mind round, where I turn it completely over to you. Uh, and this could be absolutely anything. So, uh, Father Jim, please tell me what's on your mind. Injustice at the moment. Injustice. How so? <laughs> well... A couple of things. Our children actually in school, uh, our oldest children in our primary school, year six, they've been covering injustice for the last half of their term, uh, which was over. I go into school every day, so I'm kind of well up to date with what's going on in our school. And then, you know, you find yourself perhaps on the end of injustice because there's one thing in my life that I cannot deal with really i can deal with most things but anything that's unjust yeah really kind of gets me goat i think and um we had an inspection in school recently and i thought it was a little unjust um i know i, I know my school better than the inspectors that were coming in and um they said a couple of derogatory things about the school which i know are absolutely not the case it's just not true so I am trying to write that at the moment, even as we speak. So it's, it's a difficult one. But injustice is, is, you know, something that we see all of the when I was When the children were asking me about injustice, one of the things that we do here, uh, we have an adopted charity here 
which is um, it's an orphanage that two of my friends built over in Kenya in Africa. And one, uh, maybe 10 days ago, I don't know if you remember the story of the little, the little baby that was found in Australia mm. down a well in the searing heat. Right. And it made, I was trying to explain to the children what injustice was. And I said to them, you know, they'd all heard this story. I said, isn't that funny, though? I said, because in our orphanage, we've got three children who were found in virtually the same situation. One of them was found in a black bag on top of a skip um, about a day and a half old. Oh, and no. isn't, isn't it funny that because that child is from a third world country and not Australia, which is a first world country, that it never, I don't even think it made the, the local press. They weren't interested. Certainly didn't make the national or international uh, press and I thought that was a really good way of trying to show the children kind of you know what injustice really means. Yeah, no, I I've, I I think you've you've illustrated there, you know, two perfect examples actually, and that's that's quite shocking that 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 wasn't even mentioned even in local press. Yeah, I I, I don't think it even made and and there is a local um amateur radio that that's broadcast around didn't even make the amateur radio show <laughs> very sad really oh it, it it is yes and the the school inspectors i think most of the time they i think sometimes they they're kind of judging from one rule book whereas many many schools you know need to be judged on their own terms really yeah know? um i i find i mean i i can understand when they come in, there, there is a kind of a set scheme, a set framework, if you like, that they're looking for. And um, we, you know, we find ourselves having to jump through hoops to try and show them that, that it's all right. Well, actually, if they came in unannounced and we didn't know who they were and they actually waltzed around my school watching what was going on, they would see you know, what I consider to be an outstanding school. I mean, I've been the chair of governors here for nearly 10 years and I've been chair of governors in previous schools that were not, you know, um, as good as the one that I'm in now. So, I, you know, I'm not, I mean, I am biased in as much as, you know, I'm heavily involved in the school. But if anybody tells me that there's, there's an error in the school and it's true, I would be the first to jump and say, okay, how can we put this right? But what the inspectors were saying, just, I, I just couldn't see as true, really. Well, well, no, because as, as you say, I think most of the time those inspections actually cause more problems than they solve really because people are a bit more you, you kind of as you say if people didn't know they were coming and they just you know they were just walking around if they were just a parent walking around it they'd see how good the school was really absolutely i mean we've got you know every I've, it's only a single intake school so i can only take 30 children a year uh, last year we had 87 names trying to get those 30 places you know so we must be doing something right definitely Right, so there we are. That is the end of the third round there, um, which kind of brings us to the end of the show here. But I've heard that you've, in fact, I've actually listened to a couple. You've got your own uh, your own podcast, haven't you? Yeah, I, I do a number of different things, actually. Um, I have a radio show which goes out on, um, an in it's an internet-based radio show, and it goes out on Heaven's Road FM, which is specifically, and it's the only specific catholic radio station in the country uh that's based in wanish down in london so i do a regular show for them i think i've done about 50 60 shows for them yeah 
I also do a local podcast, which is like um, like a talking newsletter, and that's for my people specifically here. And then I also started to do a podcast recently called Just a Catholic Priest, which is available on YouTube, uh, sorry, on iTunes rather. Um, and the reason I did that was uh, on the radio program, we were looking really at vocations, vocations in all kinds of walks of life. Yes. And then they asked me to talk about vocations to the priesthood. And I thought, you know, I'm just wondering how many people out there don't actually know what a Catholic priest does in the day. So I kind of started just a Catholic priest um, as a, a show of my diary, really, because believe me, <laughs> I get involved in all kinds of things. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was one issue about a year ago here where I had an, a thumping on the back door. I opened the back door and there's a girl crawling on the floor, covered in blood, um, had a compound fracture of her ankle. Though, oh, and that, that involved ambulances and police and all sorts of things going on here. Um, you know, to, to the death of a child, which happened yesterday, um, and everything in between. You know, I have a, a very odd life, and it's one of those very strange things. I don't know who's going to be on the end of the phone when, it, when I pick it up, and I don't know who's going to be at my door when it knocks. Um, so you kind of have to be ready for anything and everything, really. Yeah, I, I always find those kind of vocational podcasts and things very interesting to listen to because obviously, as you say, people don't realize just how much work you put into your job and and it just kind of illustrates just a, maybe even just a tiny fraction of what you do, really. Yeah, and I mean, the Just a Catholic Priest podcast, um, I think I've done maybe nine, maybe ten of them. I can't quite remember. It's still relatively new. Um, and what I, what I didn't want to do was to just for it to be, you know, this is my diary, this is what I've done for the day. So what I try and do now is to give examples of what's happened, you know, like yesterday, for instance. Um, I am also uh, a person who uses sign language for the deaf. Yes. And I, so I have been given the job now. I am the, um, I'm the chaplain to the deaf in the diocese. And yesterday we welcomed to the Salford Diocese our brand new bishop, He's a man called Bishop John Arnold, and he's come from the Westminster Diocese. We had a huge celebration yesterday, yes. uh, maybe fifteen, maybe 1,800 packed into our, our cathedral. And I was interpreting yesterday. So that was, you know, <laughs> and it's the first time. I mean, I usually do it to about 50, 60 deaf people. It's the first time I've ever done it with that kind of, um, you know, amount of eyes looking at me, and it was... I was really under pressure. <laughs> well, I can imagine it's very, very nerve-wracking. I uh, was petrified. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Well, that kind of uh, that brings us to the end of the show. But I'd like to thank you very much for coming on today and talking to us. Been a delight, Jamie. Thank you for asking me. And uh, you know, I hope all uh, all the uh, the festivities and things in the church go well, and and Advent and and such go well for you. You're very kind, thank you. I'm and, sure everything will be okay. And uh, good luck with the podcast and uh, and everything else that you're involved in. And uh, yeah, and uh, don't forget, you can go and check out uh, the podcasts that he mentioned previously. And uh, from me, Jamie Dyer, that's uh, this has been the week before, and we'll see you on the next edition. You've been listening to the week before, a weekly recorded show presented by Jamie Dyer. 
with this week's special guest. The announcer was Katie Harvey, and this has been an all-age media production. Thank you for listening.